I'd like to go forward in Matthew 24 this evening before we distribute the elements and partake. So Matthew chapter 24, really important passage. I would invite you to read along with us in your Bibles. If you didn't bring one, there's a Bible under the seat in front of you. And you can look at this text with us. Matthew 24, page 1142. On that Bible under the seat in front of you. Lord, we prepare our hearts now to hear from you, from your word. To be so encouraged tonight, Lord, to know that you are coming again. And there will be justice served. You have a plan. Uh, all the tough things that we face in this life, one of those days, one of these days that will be over. No more war but peace. I pray your blessing upon this. Help us to understand, give us insight into what that looks like, your second coming. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we have studied in Matthew chapter 24 the last day signs that Jesus said will be prevalent upon the earth leading up to the last days. The deception, the imposters, the wars and rumors of wars, the cataclysmic events, the lawlessness, the violent hatred, and the only positive one, the gospel being preached to all the nations. All those things will be taking place. We have looked at the timeline of the end times. Right now, we are living here in the church age. At any moment now, the rapture of the church can take place. Jesus comes for the church. That kicks off a seven-year period of time known as the tribulation period. Jesus will come at the end, followed by the millennial reign and the eternal state. So we spent some time last week looking at how that comes together. And by the way, all these studies are archived at our website, so you can always go back and check out. Last week, we looked at this particular sign right in the middle of the tribulation period. It's known as the abomination of desolation. Something really crucial that happens right in the middle of that seven-year tribulation. Well, tonight, we want to go here. We want to go to the end of the seven-year tribulation period, the culmination of history, the climax of history, the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is where history's headed. Everything changes after that. So we want to look at the return of Christ going into the millennial reign. By the way, there's more in the scripture about this than there is in the church age or in the first coming of Jesus. So here at Christmas time, we're remembering that Jesus came humbly, born as a babe, born of the Virgin Mary, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and he came very humbly, and he offered his life at the cross for the sins of the world and rose again. He came to save mankind, to make it possible. His second coming will be much different. Much different. And so tonight, we're going to look at what we can find out 
about the second coming of Jesus Christ from the words of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus says his second coming will be like. So begin with me in verse 23. Jesus speaking, saying, Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Okay, so what's the chronologic, what's, what's, what, where are we? We are right in the great tribulation that begins with the abomination of desolation. We studied that last week. The abomination of desolation takes place three and a half years into the tribulation. That kicks off the great tribulation. Terrible, terrible things on planet earth will be taking place at that time. And Jesus is predicting here that during those final three and a half years, there will be false sightings of Jesus. There will be people saying, hey, Jesus has come back. Come check it out. He's over here in the desert. He's in these secret rooms. And Jesus says, don't fall for that. Though a lot of people will, because in a time of crisis, when people hear rumors and they hear something, they might go after it. But Jesus says, Don't believe it. When Jesus comes again, he's not going to sneak in. So very important to understand about the second coming of Christ. It will not be hidden. It won't be secretive. It won't be in private. And I think this passage will have special meaning to those who live on planet earth during that time. Don't buy it. Jesus is not coming back secretly by the way isn't it interesting how false teachers and prophets constantly live up to what the scripture says they're going to do back in 1914 the jehovah witnesses said that jesus christ came back to planet earth did you know that and that he exists in a private little chamber just like this he's invisible you can't see him But he lives in this little room, and he's ruling his kingdom on earth right now. And right now, we're in this wonderful millennium age where there's all kinds of peace because Jesus, the king, is ruling. I'm disappointed. Really disappointed. And there are others that have, and it's so funny. I mean, the scripture says these people will do it. When they say Jesus is in an inner room, don't believe them. And so here comes a cult group and says Jesus is in an inner room. Don't buy it. Jesus says his second coming will not be hidden or secretive. Instead, it will be awesome. It will be spectacular. It will be dramatic. It will be visible for everyone to see. He goes on to say in verse 27... 
For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. When lightning flashes in the sky, do you miss it? Or do you see it? Oh, you see it on a great lightning storm in a monsoon season here in El Paso, though we didn't have much of one this year. But it's great sometimes to go out on your back porch and just watch the lightning. Jesus said the second coming is going to be like that. It's not going to be dark. It's not going to be hidden. It's going to be obvious and visible like the flashes of lightning. He even uses a very obvious sign there in verse 28. Wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Okay, when you see vultures or eagles circling in the desert or around a highway, what do you know is happening? They're about to feast. It's an obvious sign of death. And what Jesus is saying is my second coming won't be left open to interpretation. It won't be invisible. It won't be a guess. It will be spectacular, awesome, and visible. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, Christ's coming will be sudden, startling, universally visible, and terrifying to the ungodly. That is the picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, it will not be hidden or secretive. It will be awesome, spectacular, dramatic, and public. So, let's look and see how it's going to go down. Let's look and see at the process when Jesus comes again. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. What tribulation? The great tribulation. So we're at the very end now of the tribulation period. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, that's very important. The second coming of Jesus Christ will be preceded by and surrounded by cosmic disturbances on a scale that we've never seen before in history. Right at the end of the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, everything's heating up. Right there at the end, cosmic disturbances. Now, a lot of people try to see this as being figurative language. It's all symbolic. It's not. I think it's quite literal. It says, the sun will be darkened. The Greek word skotizo. To be covered with darkness, to be completely obscured. The light from the sun will go out. Imagine that. The moon will stop shining. Because the moon just reflects the sunlight, right? Can you imagine all the light goes out? 
There's still stars, it says, but they will be dimmed and many of them will fall from heaven. And then the powers of the universe, of the heavens, everything will be shaking. So this will be the most terrifying thing imaginable that people have ever seen on planet Earth. And this isn't the only place that the Bible predicts this. It's all over. Cosmic signs. Isaiah 13. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened and it's going forth. And the moon will not cause its light to shine. Isaiah 34. All the host of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heaven shall be rolled up like a scroll. All the hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine, as fruit falling from a fig tree. Joel predicts it. The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, the stars diminish their brightness. The sun and moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake. Something like this is going to happen right there at the end of the tribulation period. I always picture this universe being like one of those snow globes. And God just takes the snow globe and shakes. It'll be an unbelievable thing. Cosmic signs... And that will cause everyone to look up. So the war is about to take place. All this chaos. All this tragedy. Everything stops when the universe starts to almost look as if it's coming apart. And everyone will look up. I heard about a little kid who was hearing his minister at a church service talk about these. Going through these different signs. And wide eyed he tagged on his mom's sleeve and said, Mom, will I get out of school? (laughs) Yeah, you'll get out of school. The whole world will stop and look up. And then verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So everyone looks up and they see the sign of the Son of Man. It's a Greek word, Simon, which means a miracle, a wonder. So this might actually be a sign that's different than the actual appearance of Christ. Everyone's looking up. And a sign. Some have suggested that this will be a a star. Coming closer and closer and closer. Reminiscent of the star of Bethlehem at the first coming. Some have said that it will be the Shekinah glory cloud. Seeing it closer and closer. Some have suggested that it will be New Jerusalem. Which is talked a lot about in 
in the book of Revelation coming down. This incredible sight. Whatever the case, we're not exactly sure what it is. But right in the midst of all of that cosmic disturbances, while everyone's looking up, the sign shows. And I believe that it will slowly descend and get closer. I do not believe the second coming of Jesus Christ is a split second. I believe it's a, long, it's a longer, maybe, maybe several days, but you see this sign and it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. I see the telescopes of the world, the cameras of the world, phones in the world, looking. Because the Bible says all will see this. Finally, Jesus will appear. He will come in glory. It says that he will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And eventually it gets closer and closer and closer and there he is. The book of Revelation tells us in Revelation chapter 19. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is Jesus. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When King Jesus comes, he will come in glory and he will come with the armies of heaven and he will come, as it says, in a robe dipped in blood. Because he will be battling the forces of the Antichrist. And they will all be destroyed. So Jesus will come. We also know that he will touch down on the Mount of Olives and there'll be a massive earthquake. Zechariah chapter 14 says, And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half of it towards the south. Jesus ascended to heaven at his first coming from the Mount of Olives. When he returns, he'll touch down on the Mount of Olives, and there'll be a massive earthquake. The Mount of Olives and Jerusalem will all be changed. Everything will become different. So the earthquake, and then, of course, the complete destruction of the Antichrist, Revelation 19. I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse. 
and against his army. So now that's another reason why I think this is kind of a long, drawn-out thing. Because you have the Antichrist and his forces gathered together against God's people around the area of Jerusalem. And there's this time where the sign comes. And they're still gathered. Like they're going to take on the Lord. The armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse... Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who works signs in his presence by which he deceives those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now that is Jesus at work. That's Jesus coming again. Much different than the first coming, wouldn't you agree? And please understand, when Jesus came the first time, he came as Savior. Providing the way for anyone to get saved. Giving all kinds of time and opportunity. The second coming, he comes to judge. There will also be judgment at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 31. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So Jesus will touch down. He comes to Mount of Olives. He comes to the valley of Armageddon. Everyone is defeated, all of the enemies, and then he sends his angels out. And the elect all over planet Earth are going to be gathered towards him. So there's going to be millions of people on planet Earth that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And at the very end there, they're going to be gathered and ushered into the kingdom. Everyone else on planet Earth who has not been saved, who has been with the forces of the Antichrist, will be judged. Everything changes then, at that moment. Jesus comes again, the Antichrist, all the enemies are completely defeated, and all those alive on planet Earth, this is very important, all those alive on planet Earth who are saved, will be gathered into the kingdom of Christ and they will go into the millennial reign of Christ. So there's going to be people that go into the millennial reign of Christ with bodies like you and I have. They're going to be saved, but they're going to be going in to this incredible period of time known as the millennium. And I want to share just a few thoughts about that. I had someone ask me the other day, are you going to go into the millennium? Yes, very briefly. Although you need to understand, most of the Old Testament prophecies when it comes to the Messiah look forward to this incredible period of time called the millennial reign of Christ. In fact, most of the prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament are about Jesus at his second coming and the kingdom that's established after his second coming. So there's a lot we could go to, but just a few things to share about 
the millennial reign of Christ, it will be 1,000 years. That's why we call it the millennium. And you say, well, where do you get 1,000 years? Revelation chapter 20, 1,000 years literally is mentioned six times. After Jesus comes again, we go into the millennial reign. And for 1,000 years, there will be a literal reign of King Jesus in Jerusalem. A thousand years. Jesus will literally be on planet earth reigning the whole world from the city of Jerusalem. Isaiah 2 says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So you have a situation where King Jesus is reigning for 1,000 years. And all of those people that were saved out of the tribulation possibly millions, go in to this millennial. For a thousand years, they're marrying. They're having children. Some are dying. A thousand years is a long time, right? They'll become nations again all over planet Earth. And Jesus will be the king. During the millennial reign of Christ, Satan will be bound. Revelation 20 says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The Antichrist, the beast, are dead. Satan is bound for a thousand years. Can you imagine a planet Earth without Satan? And Jesus reigning a thousand years. In scripture, it's looked forward to as like the golden age. It is the hope of every Jew. This kingdom reign. All these promises made to the Jewish people will be fulfilled literally in the kingdom age. The millennial reign of Christ. During the millennial reign of Christ, there will be no war. There will be peaceful living only. Isaiah 2 says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Can you imagine for a thousand years, no military? No training for the military. Nothing like that. That's what the millennial kingdom will be like. This peace that people will enjoy will even extend to the wildlife. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. 
The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child should lead them. What a prophecy. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Wouldn't that be interesting to watch? If you saw that today, you'd take a video, right? Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. In other words, there's a taming of wildlife in the millennial reign. There's safety. Even little kids are protected. Boy, I remember when I was growing up, I left the house in the summers at 7 a.m. And I got back at 6 p.m. that night. And I had nothing but a bike. And we, me and my friends, we went out all over the place. We had such a great time being a little kid back then. Would you let your kid roam around the cities of America today? There's coming a day when kids will be safe again. No sex trafficking. No kidnapping. No drugs. Oh, what a day that's going to be. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow. With Jesus in charge. No war. The Bible, the prophecies concerning the millennium also speak of longer lives and prosperity. Look at this, Isaiah 65. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. The child shall die 100 years old. If you die at the age of 100, you'll be considered like a child in the millennial reign. So the idea is in the millennial reign, all of nature has changed. All of that cataclysmic stuff that happened in the tribulation period, I believe it's remodeling. For a new age on planet earth during the 1,000 year reign, which many scholars believe go back to almost like the days in the Garden of Eden. Because people will live longer. There'll be more prosperity. The weather will be different. Everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. We will have the Lord Jesus on the throne. The millennial reign will be an incredible time. At last, we'll finally have someone in charge who knows what they're doing. At last. And by the way, If there's one thing man has proven, we are unable to govern ourselves. We blow it. We need King Jesus on the throne. And we need the Prince of Peace here if there's going to be real peace. 
where are we during all this? What's happened to the church? We will reign and rule with Christ. Please understand that at the rapture of the church, it's a very important moment for the church. Right here, all Christians who have died will be raised at the rapture. All Christians who have died. Those of us who are alive on planet earth when that happens will be caught up to meet Christ in the air. We'll all go. We all get glorified bodies. We're in heaven during the seven years of tribulation. I believe the Bible clearly teaches that the church comes back with Jesus. The horses, the armies, the angelic armies. We're coming back with Jesus. We're going to get the bird's eye view on all this. Also believe that all of the folks that were martyred during the tribulation period, all of the Christians who wouldn't get the mark, they'll be raised to new life. And they'll be given glorified bodies at the second coming of Christ. And so we're all going to come down and we're going to be a part of that millennial reign kingdom in some way. We're all going to be given a spot. I have already applied for Hawaii. So you can't take that. Actually, everywhere will be like Hawaii during the millennial reign. I do believe that people that go into the there's going to be people that go into the tribulation age in bodies like us. I'm sorry, the millennial in bodies like us. And they repopulate the earth during those 1,000 years. And there's issues there. There's things that need to be done, King Jesus. But then there'll be people that have glorified bodies. And we'll somehow be reigning and ruling with Christ at that time. How that all looks, I don't know. But I'm excited to go. We also know that the book of Revelation does speak about this brand new Jerusalem that will come. And some suggest it'll be like a satellite city for a while. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are going to be happening and that you can be a part of. After the millennial reign of Christ, after the 1,000 years, there is a final judgment. All who have died apart from Christ are in a place called Hades all the way to here. Waiting until they're judged at the white throne judgment. At which point they will be going away for all of eternity in the lake of fire. Then after that, there's a new heaven, there's a new earth. Everything comes brand new. And that's as far as we can see in the prophetic scriptures concerning the future. But we will all live for happily ever after as members of the body of Christ. So what a plan. What a plan. I like to do this after every study here. Where are we on the timeline? We're leaning up against the wall there. We're very close to the end of this church age. Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you ready? Are you ready? If Jesus were to call his church home tomorrow, would you, would you be going? Or 
maybe the rapture doesn't happen. But death happens regularly. And the moment you die and breathe your last, that's it. Are you ready? There are four very significant events that you and I as Christians need to remember consistently when it comes to redemption and salvation. We need to remember the first coming of Christ. When Jesus came as the Savior at great cost. We need to remember his crucifixion. We're on the cross. He bore our sins. We need to remember that on the third day, he rose again and it's an empty tomb. And then we need to never forget one day he's coming again. And these are things that we're to keep at the forefront of our minds as we live the Christian life. We are to be motivated by what Jesus did for us at the cross and motivated by the fact that he could come back at any moment. And so we need to live for him. Tonight, at the communion table, we remember the great price that he paid. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let's turn the lights down. And those who are going to help me distribute, why don't you come on up? redemption that you put in place Lord you created us put us in a beautiful garden and we blew it we fell into sin we were separated from you and you moved to make it possible for our sins to be completely forgiven And we thank you for the cross and we remember the cross tonight. We remember the sacrifice that you made and we remember that on the third day you rose again. And you provided the way of salvation. We can be forgiven. We can be saved through faith in you. And we remember tonight that you are returning. That there will be an end to evil. There will be an end to sin. There will be an end to Satan. Justice will be served. How we long for those great days of the kingdom age. And so as we sit here at this table tonight, we rededicate our lives to you. We want to be a part of your team what you're doing. We want our lives to be used by you so that others can come to know you.
before we distribute these elements if with your heads bowed your eyes closed maybe you you came to church tonight and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior somebody invited you and you never heard the gospel message the future is very scary without Jesus in your life but with Jesus in your life you're secure do you have him Jesus really died on the cross for your sins. His blood was really shed. His body was really broken. These elements symbolize his broken body, his shed blood. He did that for you. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you invited him to save you? You have that opportunity right now before we partake. If that's you, just quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, I receive you right now. I bow my heart, my mind, my life before you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Be my Lord and my Savior. Keep me protected now and forever.